Hi, my name's Jamie O'Hara, and you're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. Welcome to NL Full Time, and we don't normally do a midweek podcast, but we thought we would this week just for the fact that we looked at all the results on Tuesday and it hit us smack between the eyes, lots more shocks in the National League and a load of unpredictability. And we've also got a Ryan Reynolds update field. I'm Luke Edwards and joining me as always is Chris Pratt, Tom Wang and Tom Feeney. So another topsy-turvy night in the National League. Uh, the only goal, the only game that was goalless was Rob's beloved all the shot against Maidenhead uh, with Mike Fondop sent off in that game. At the top of the table, Sutton against Dagenham Rebbage was an early kickoff. Uh, that finished 1-1 and Sutton will be a bit disappointed, won't they? Because Dagenham were down to 10 men for a lot of that game. They were 10 men just for over uh, 20 minutes towards the end. And so, um, they'd have been disappointed that they didn't, uh, didn't capitalise on that one. But look, hey, still... They've won five out of seven, and that's uh, that's pretty good going. They've only lost one game all season. They've got a game in hand and the three points behind Torquay. So it's not all bad news, is it? Definitely not. No, uh, and another goal for Dagenham for Paul McCallum. He's uh, he's had a good start to life there, hasn't he? I know Dagenham haven't played many games so far. I guess he's rejuvenating his reputation a little bit as well, hasn't it? Because he well, he bagged hatfuls, didn't he, the season before that? So. It's good to see that, that Dagenham have got a player who looks like he's going to start finding the back of the net again because they're like gold dust, aren't they? Big winners were uh, Woken. They won 5-1 at Dover. Dover, another team to have a man sent off. There's quite a few red cards actually across the, the three divisions on Tuesday evening. Um, and it was 3-1 at half-time to Woken. And then the sending off obviously didn't help that. And Woken cruised in the end to a, a pretty comfortable victory. This is a real struggle um, down there for, for Dover. Um, they've got a lot of young lads playing, being introduced into the starting lineup, And, uh, you know, Andy Hessenthal is a, is a wily old fox, you know, get them playing, you know, get them doing the, doing the best that they can, but it's going to be a struggle. And you compare them to, to Woking and you've got a man in Alan Dowson there who who knows the players he trusts and he sticks with the players he trusts and they come good for him. You've got Kane Ferdinand who got a double yesterday, Mats Kretschmer who got a double and between them they've played for Woking for about seven or eight years now. Uh, those two with um, you know spells off and, and and what have you. So Alan Dowson works miracles, if, miracles doesn't he? If there was a, a reward for or an award for the manager of the first 12 games of the season, he'd get it every year, I think, recently. He, he's very, very good at building a squad on, on limited resources. He showed that at Hampton. He's showing it again at Woking over the last few seasons. Um, he's brought in Josh Davison alone. He's done so well. I think he's got five goals in the four games he's, he's played since arriving at Woking. Um um, and Max Kretschmar as well, when he's firing, uh, that generally means Woking are playing well as well. Um, he got two. I think we'd, we'd all like to see Kretschmar back to the sort of form where he was picking up sort of 10, 15 goals a season for a couple of years in a row. There was big news, of course, in the week for Wrexham, uh, which we'll touch on later on with Dickie uh, over the whole Ryan Reynolds thing. So good news for them. Um, we'll put extra pressure on Dean Keats now. And he responded a very good 1-0 win at Hartlepool. Yeah, it's amazing how that happens, isn't it? A change of manager or something happening off the pitch is just sparks uh, sparks a good result, and that is a huge, huge three points for Wrexham. That that really is, and uh, by all accounts, they were completely outplayed in the first half as well. And uh, 
Again, we've just spoken about experience down at Woking, but you've got Elliot Durrell, who's, who must have played for about 15 different clubs around this level, obviously made his name. Well, I think arguably he was, he's probably most successful at, at Macclesfield, I think, and uh, 31-year-old uh, uh, midfielder, and you know he's going to be he's going to be crucial. But so, um, Luke, I've got a question for you: Is Dicky our expert now on uh, Wrexham, on Hollywood film stars, and and all that sort of thing? He's uh, he's now the chairman of our um, Ryan Reynolds fan club. I think he's been he's been <laughs> tweeting him and keeping up to date with him. He's been keeping uh, abreast of everything that's been happening at Wrexham. We'll get more on that later on. But I know Dicky's. If you didn't hear the podcast on Sunday, Dickie's working hard to get Ryan Reynolds on for an interview. So, <laughs> just, look, just an extra one on 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 Wrexham. I did. Um, I was looking at the interview with Dean Keats at the end of the game, and uh, I mean, social media is crazy, isn't it? But despite them winning, most of the comments on on their social media channels are, are about the fans wanting Dean Keats out now. If they're saying that after a three-point on the road against a team that were um, expected to be up there around the playoffs, then yeah, he's got a bit of convincing to do, I would say. Yeah, I I put on our WhatsApp chat, didn't I, that he'll be probably the most sceptical about this takeover because he he'll, his head will be the one who's on the chopping block. Obviously, the fans are happy, uh, the players will be happy, um, the exposure the club will get. But ultimately, Dean Keats is the one who needs results and he'll need them quickly, won't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it'll be interesting to see whether this feel good factor. Um, well, certainly within the within the club, maybe not the fans yet. Um, in terms of the manager, uh, continues. Notts County as well, another of the uh, pre-season favourites amongst us, anyway, and certainly amongst most of the the pundits and bookies. They were one 0 up until the very last minute at Halifax before Jamie Allen scored a last minute equaliser and. It's been a stop-start season for Notts County for various reasons, but that's a massive blow for them, isn't it? They'll have, to, they'll have wanted to have got that over the line, won't they? Well, especially the nature of it, Luke, um, when you concede such a late equaliser and the flat to de- deceive so far, haven't they? Now, and I don't think you can, I don't think you can put the COVID um, struggles that, that they've had as an excuse for that because it seems like everyone's either had that or they're going to have that, and. I'm sick of hearing the phrase, but this is the world we live in at the moment. And you've got, to, it's just one more thing that you've got to be able to handle. You won't fancy facing in the playoffs, but they want automatic um, promotion and they're going to have to start pulling the finger out pretty soon and getting wins like this over the line, those little one nilers, two ones, and, and things like that. I think the biggest thing that's, that stock, uh, sorry, that Notts County will be looking at at the moment and being pleased about is that Stockport have had a bit of an iffy, well, not iffy, but Stockport haven't had quite the start we'd have expected from them either. They're only three points ahead with the same amount of games played. Uh, I think the, the biggest bonus for both those clubs, but particularly Notts County being slightly further down the table, is that the leading lights of Sutton United and Torquay, and maybe not the sides that you'd expect, you know, Wheelston as well, and Maidenhead, are probably not the sides you'd expect to be pushing for the title come the end of the season. Although Torquay um, particularly do look very strong out of that four. A vital vital point in the end for Halifax, wasn't it? I know the fans were just starting to get on Pete Wilds back a little bit on the, on the forums. They've had a couple of weeks off, but that'll be a big boost from getting that draw against Notts County, won't it? Yeah, it's a massive boost. And I think, you know, for Pete Wilde and the team, they, it's it's just been one of those where they really have been unlucky with injuries, getting a lot of players. Obviously, you've, you know, you've got the position with COVID and everything, but a lot of players just picking up small knocks out for a few games here or there. And, you know, I think the work that Pete Wilde did last season, he built the expectation levels. He 
you know, he got people believing that Halifax could, you know, be a football league side again. Again, he's kind of had to do this rebuild, getting players in. And I think, I think Pete Wald, you know, he's a manager for Halifax. It really does work for him. And, you know, a point again so far is the record. That, though, I think is a really big point because it just shows kind of the capability of the group to get a point against Knotts, get a few players back as well. And all of a sudden they'll be climbing the table, I think. It just shows the stock of a manager, doesn't it? You have a good season or you do well. Uh, I'm going to get on to another manager about that now, where you do well uh, towards the end of the season and then you have a bit of a slow start and all of a sudden uh, the critics are out. And one of those is John Pemberton, who did well for Chesterfield at the end of last season. And I was reading back the Chesterfield Forum uh, before we came on air and they're all say, uh, they're all in April going, give, they've got to give Pemberton the job. It's like it's a no-brainer. And you go on after Tuesday night's result at Altingham and they all want him gone now. It just shows the, the short shelf life potential of a manager, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, Luke. And um, look, I'm not going to be popular amongst Chesterfield fans for saying this, but I think there's a period of acceptance that needs to um, that needs to, to come over uh, Chesterfield because they're not in a, they're not financially the way the club's set up. They're not in a similar position. As they were, you know, five or six years ago, and you know that's that's difficult. That's difficult to hear. I mean, they're starting again, the rebuilding, and maybe they're just going to have to accept that for a few seasons, that rebuilding process may mean, you know, lower mid tables, mid tables, and then perhaps pushing for for promotion in in a few years' time at Chesterfield. Um, they need to play the loan market, I think, as as well as they can. And you know, John Pemberton's got good links. He's got uh, Jordan Cropper, I think, scored yesterday um, to to be able to do things like that. But I think we may have spoken about this on Saturday as well. But they're not one of the surprises to see down there at the early stages of the season. Do you think? Obviously, they got that win in the FA Cup at Stockport, and then it had to they had to replay the game. They got absolutely. Uh, battered in that one and they just don't seem to have recovered since you think the fact that they missed out on the first round size some extra revenue it's kind of almost killed the club hasn't it it's almost killed the belief hasn't it amongst everyone yeah and I'd say that for, for two ways as, as well um, Chesterfield and the FA Cup have got a history a recent history as well and it's something that the fans really cling on to and um, you know they still talk about that uh, Middlesbrough game when they were robbed <laughs> of uh, of progressing um, in the semi final, and that impact, as well as the the financial impact um, where the club is at the moment, will have had will have had an effect definitely, and certainly the manner in which it it came as well with a with an admin error and it's a bit of a psychological blow really. But they've got to put that out of the head now and, and focus on um, and focus on the league. And I'm not saying they're not. It was a topsy turvy yesterday um, game yesterday at Altringham and they were they were unlucky to come out on the losing side by by all accounts. Um and it could have gone either way. But um again they're another team that are, who are gonna to have to start resting this mediocrity, I think you'd have to call it soon. Well I think you know they're a team who how many years ago was it where they were not that far away? You know, if they'd beat Preston, they'd be one game off, you know, gaining promotion, getting into the championship. And it just it just seems from that moment, just decisions have been made which have just led to this team going on a downward spiral. And I think, you know, John Pendleton probably is the, is the first manager of the lot where he's been very realistic about the situation, you know, 
people are saying that Chesterfield are this, are this big team with a lot of history, and they, they definitely have that. But there's, there really is just, to me, an underlying problem with the group. And I just, I'm not 100% sure what happens with it. And kind of that thing of a season of solidarity, like kind of that consolidation season seemed like it were last season, but all of a sudden now a poor start. I do think he deserves more time in the, ro- the role for what he did last campaign. It, it just so it, it's they just feel like a team where you know anything that could go wrong does go wrong over the last few years and you know for them I hope it does change. Hats off as well to Kings Lynn, really good tuna win at Barnet. Barnet looks as though they put their eggs in one basket with the FA Cup, haven't they? But two goals from Jamal Lowe's a, 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 a great tuna win for Kings Lynn and Adam Marriott was on the bench, he didn't even start, so that's a that's a brilliant win. He, even though Barnet have sort of trimmed themselves back this year, it's still a tough place to go, especially on a Tuesday night. Yeah, definitely. I mean Kings Lynn, you wouldn't you wouldn't have them on your uh, on your betting slip, would you? Because you've got no idea what's going to happen when they play. They could get absolutely battered, or they could win by a lot. Um, and the the wild card uh, came up trumps again yesterday. I'm just looking, you know, and they've conceded 24 goals. That is ha- the 14th position. They've conceded 24 goals, and Dover are second worst, and they're 22nd, and they've conceded 22, which is nice and uh, which works well with the numbers. But and a goal difference of minus 10. So. Great win for, for Kings Lynn and um, they're now three points clear of the team that they beat yesterday, Barnet, who are in 20th position. Yeah, Tom, Kings Lynn have done, uh, I think they'll be pretty satisfied with the start, won't they? Yeah, I think, you know, when you look as well with the cup run, I, I think the thing is, it's that they've trusted the players that they had last season. They've given, you know, keeping Marriott was a, it was really key business for them because there were football league clubs in for him. And, you know, for him to say, I want to stay at Kingsley and I believe in this project, I think that gives other players kind of that thing of, right, well, you know, if the best player from last season wants to stay, you know, I want to stay. So, and I think, again, it's it's just that when you look at their games, you know, and their goal difference, you know, the minus 10 goal difference, it's just the games that they've been involved in. But, I think a good it has been a good start for them because you know again this is a team going into a new league. Some teams they go in there with that momentum and it, they can fall to pieces. But I think for Kingsland they're showing what they've got and the thing that they really have got is they've got an eye for goal. They're getting a lot of goals. If they could shore up the back a little bit as well, they'd be climbing up the table a little bit more as well. Yeah, the other two games then that we'll look at the final two games were Bramley and Bournemouth would a mid-table battle there that finished one apiece and then. Just having a quick look at the table, it was easily against Wheelstone and it was third against fifth in the end, which is quite a surprise really. Again, another newly promoted team, the champions of the National League South this time, they started off well, but ultimately they slipped up at Eastley, who again have quietly gone under the radar, haven't they? Well, that's it. In my, in my notes before the podcast, I've put exactly that. They're quietly sneaking up, aren't they? And Tom put, touched on the point, didn't he? If you look at the the National League after what are we nearly nearly ten games, well, some are nearly ten, some are nowhere near that. But um, if you look at it, they're not the teams you would have expected to have been uh, up there at this stage. Um, quietly sneaking up, just on Wheelston, um, on the non-league football show, the other fantastic um, non-league podcast that's available for for your listening pleasure. Um, they That's had being Dean edited Brennan. out. <laughs> <laughs> they had uh, Dean Brennan on this week, and he was um, he was talking about the budget that is um, 
struggling in these COVID times and um, he may need to trim the squad. He wanted to have a, a larger squad. And so his situation to when they started the season to where they are now, reading between the lines from, from what he was saying, seems to be changing a little bit. So it'd be interesting to see whether he can keep them um, up there uh, in in the higher reaches of the league as the uh, as the months progress. Yeah, I saw Eastley um, in a pre-season friendly back in the uh, three months long pre-season that everybody had, and um, I didn't think they were bad, but I, I certainly wouldn't have expected them up the upper reaches of the table. They've kept sort of adjusting the squad a little bit. They've brought in Ryan Hill from Hampton. They've brought in Tom Blair from Dorchester. Um, they've made a few adjustments, and and they seem to be firing pretty well. They've got uh, quite a tight squad. Um, I think they've got about 20 players in there in total. They've brought in some good quality over the summer. I think uh, Baggy, Tomlinson, Ben House has, has really settled in well. So is Pierce Bird. Um, and, and clearly Ben Stravens has, has got a group of players that he likes, got a group of players he can work with uh, and quite impressed with them. Um, as for Wilson, yeah, they've really adapted very well to the division. I'd be interested to see how long they can keep that going. Um, you know, we saw, we've seen it with a few clubs over the years, haven't we, where they've come up, they've had a really good sort of first two or three months to the season. But then it, that attritional nature of this campaign just sort of wears them down a bit. Um, the reality is National League, South to National League, isn't really a huge step up in technical quality. It's a huge step up in terms of physicality. Um, the players are bigger, they're stronger. Um it is just a more attritional league and it'd be interesting to see how the Wilson squad copes with that over the winter months. I was going to refrain from saying uh, house on fire when you mentioned Ben House starting well, but uh, yeah, so I'll leave that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't um, mention that. <laughs> no. So we're going to look now at the National League North. Making small changes to your lifestyle could improve your chances of staying healthier longer. Start now by taking our free How Are You quiz. Just search One You. And in the National League North, another it was fairly quiet now, wasn't it, Tom? Um, <laughs> not not a bit of it. Um, like the National League, uh, crazy night. We'll start off at the Tameside Stadium, Curzon Ashton against File Curzon, who they've had a decent start to the season. Uh, not a great run recently until the win at Kettering at the weekend. But what a result they pulled out against AFC File. Yeah, absolutely fantastic win, and I think it was one of those results as well where. You know, filed kind of at full time with kind of just had to put the hands up and go, do you know what? On the night, Curzon had a game plan. Steve Cunningham had that game plan and he put it out there and it, and it worked perfectly. And it's, you know, a really big win for Curzon because they've had a couple of results. You know, a new manager comes in, a couple of results don't go your way. And then all of a sudden there's questions about, you know, is this manager right for the club? But you've got to say that the signings that Curzon have made in the last few weeks have been really impressive. Getting Sam Walker back, you know, as a midfielder in the National League level, I think he's really good. So at the National League North level, he really stands out. And then getting Hansen in from uh, FC Halifax Town after he wasn't getting too much game time at fullback, they agreed to let him go. He's gone to Curzon. And kind of you're looking at them signings and thinking, you know, they're building something there. They're building a team that there's always one team that, kind of right off and think, well, they're not going to be near the playoffs and they, they sneak up. And Curzon could be that team, you know, to get a good win against Fylde. And, you know, I think for Fylde, it's kind of, it's been a really good start, obviously. Don't want to over, you know, you don't want to really panic about it. They'll, they'll know that on the night, you know, it just didn't go their way. But, you know, really good win for Curzon. Yeah, Fylde, they do have a game in hand on Gloucester, but they're now four points adrift as the uh, 
the machine that is Gloucester keep on going, don't they? Another win for them, a, a bit more hard fought than it was on uh, last Tuesday evening. And they had that 4-4 against Bradford Park having a crazy game at the weekend and a good 1-0 win in a local derby against Hereford. Yeah, and it's a, it's a really important win. And I think it's kind of that thing of the backs against the wall when you really need it, you know, to pull out a clean sheet. And again, Gloucester, you know, they started with that FA Cup defeat and... You know, people were saying, you know, is it all going to fall apart before it even starts? But they seem to really have that momentum now. And, you know, I know getting a Sante sent off, you know, will be a blow for for them. But I think what they've got is they've got a manager who has been able to kind of get the players that he wanted in. It's they've, you know, they've not got a massive squad, but the players that they have got are the players they the manager wanted. And I think James Roby, well, you know, it definitely will be delighted with how they've started. It's now just all about keeping that momentum going. And, you know, the Bradford Park Avenue game kind of maybe showed that for Gloucester just how tough this league is because you'd be going into that game thinking Gloucester, bang on form, they're going to get that win. And obviously they didn't. So really important for them to then on Tuesday go to Hereford, you know, big local derby, a really tough place to go and a really tough game and get the win and a you know, clean sheet as well, something for them to build on and be four points clear. Yeah, and we spoke about Eastley uh, sneaking under the radar. I think the same could be said about Southport, couldn't it, Tom? I mean, they were mid-table until about a week ago and now they're in third place. Yeah, well, the joy, the joy of all the COVID madness, I think it's it's really helped them, hasn't it? I think, you know, it's it's kind of one of them where the reputation of the manager, you know, Liam Watson, he knows this level inside out and the signings he's been making, they haven't kind of been the headline signings. You know, you've been looking at some of the big names that have been joining National League North clubs, but what he's been able to do is kind of get these players in that he knows at this level will do a good job. And, you know, they lose a striker to Fylde and people are saying, you know, what's going to happen now? And, well, since then, you know, they've gone on a good run of form. So, you know, third in the table, obviously they've played more games than nearly everyone else in the league, but it's that old adage, isn't it? Sometimes you want more points, you want the points on the board, you know, you're putting that pressure on the teams that have them games in hand. And I think for Liam Watson, he'll be delighted with how the last few weeks have gone. Yeah, and also Kidderman's a good start for them. I saw Brackley last Tuesday evening against Alverson, really impressive 2-0 away win and then the they got a late draw at Gateshead at the weekend, but they, they fell to a 2-0 home defeat too. An impressive Kidderman Society look as though they've got a bit more steel about them this year, don't they? Yeah, I think what you've got with Kidderman is, you know, Russell Penn's come in and kind of... It, it, it's a, a manager who... He knows that he has the ability. You know, you, you hear him speak, he really thinks that he is a manager who, you know, can get Kidderminster to promoted, get Kidderminster to a higher level and... I think going to places like Brackley, you know, Brackley is a horrible place to go to. And that's a compliment to Brackley because I've seen I've seen teams go to Brackley and lose nearly every time. You know, they really are such a good team at home. And for Kidderminster to go there again, a clean sheet, you know, get two goals as well. And it just shows you something's been built at Kidderminster. And, you know, obviously Kidderminster's reputation in terms of the loan market, which could could prove crucial in the next few months obviously the Reese Williams story mm. where you know he's been saying that Kidderminster played a big part in his development then all of a sudden man you are loaning a player to them and they've got a reputation now of that they can take players you know young 
hungry players who have got that big potential and help them grow. Yeah, exactly. In, in, in a big man's league, the big game, well, the most exciting game and dramatic game was down in Warwickshire where Alfreton were 3-0 up at half-time against Leamington. Leamington were only playing their fourth game of the season, but what a comeback from Paul Holler inside as they turned it round and ended up winning by four goals to three. Yeah, I mean, it's an absolutely incredible game. And, you know, I know Leamington's, you know, social media went absolutely viral <laughs> afterwards because, you know, I'm, I'm rightly so. I mean, I think for Alfreton, it's just such a blow for them because I've seen Alfreton play a couple of times and they play good football. You know, Billy Heaves, and I think a Billy Heaves side as well to concede four goals in the fashion that they did, you know, was a real surprise. But again, Leamington are this team in the North that, People write them off. They go, oh, Leamington have got to go down this year. They they don't go down, you know. The, the performance they put in against Chester a few, well, a good few weeks ago now, but I was really impressed by them. And I felt, again, Paul Holleran, he loses players to the Football League. He loses players to the National League, but he keeps getting these players in and he, he builds teams around his style of play. And, you know, in terms of a confidence boost, first win of the season, that is you know, that is as good a win as you're going to get, isn't it? And, you know, I think for Leamington now, they'll be hoping to build on that. Yeah, they're always a, they're always a solid side, pretty much like you say. They lose two or three players, but they've still got that core, haven't they? And they've got a wily old manager. And while Paul Hollering's there, you, you wouldn't expect him to go down, would you? No, I think, I think that's the thing is, there's people probably looking from the outside in who maybe don't know the North. You know, they look at Leamington's budget, they look at some of them players and go... You know, oh, they they must struggle. They, you know, they must be going down. But they always just pick up the results, and you know, and again, it's that. I think the thing for them is is that steel they've got. You know, they are a team that they haven't got too many flash players, but what they have got is a real backbone. And when when push comes to shove, Leamington basically are always in that fight. They're always that team who surprised people by being mid table, but it always happens. Oh. There might be a result you want us to gloss over, Tom. Uh, <laughs> potentially. Uh, Geisley won, Darlington four. I'll, uh, I'll leave the floor to you. I know Geisley hadn't played for a few weeks, but was that an excuse? Yeah, I, I, I okay. really did think it was. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I knew, you know, like, Darlington were brilliant, by the way. You know, and da- Dan Maguire, who I saw play several times for York City and... He just, I, I didn't, he, he did not look like the Dan Maguire that was at Blythe Spartans. There was, you know, I don't know what was going on there. Last night, he was absolutely brilliant. And players like Will Hatfield, Holness, really stood out. I think the big thing for Geisley is, you know, the man of the match by a country mile was Brad Wade, the goalkeeper. It ended 4-1. It could have been, you know, 7 or 8 on the night, but... Geisley just looked, you know, really sluggish. And um, Jonathan Wafula's hurt his hamstring. Matty Gillum's hurt his hamstring. It kind of, it was a bad night with a couple of injuries thrown in as well. It couldn't have gone much worse. But I do think for Alan Armstrong to be able to make a number of changes from the game at the weekend, you know, I know it was a loss at the weekend, but they played quite well against Telford. To make them changes and then put in that kind of performance, it, it does show encouraging signs for Darlington in the league. Yeah, and the final game was uh, Telford nil, Charlie won. Uh, Elliot Newby scoring the winner there. And I'm sure uh, we'll get Dickie's view on that later on. But uh, he won't be 
too happy about that one, although Telford do stay in the playoff places. And we'll look at the National League South now, and, and Tom will start off at the very bottom. We spoke about Braintree on Saturday, uh, saying if they could get a win, it would make it a bit more life difficult for Dulwich Hamlet. Well, on Monday, George Borg left his position by his own admission. He, um, he, he didn't think he'd done a good job at all. He resigned, and that was accepted by Chairman Lee Harding, who also uh, accepted responsibility for the start of the season. They then went out and played Concord in an Essex derby and got their first win of the season. So well done to them. And they're the, they are the last team across the three National League divisions to now pick up a win. They did, yeah. And it was Corey Davidson uh, with the goal. He uh, arrived, I mean, uh, it looks like on the day, released by Kidderminster Harriers in the summer. Um, and he he pitched up at Braintree this, this week. They announced eight new signings in their squad um, for this match, I'd expect to see some more changes uh, as as uh, as the new manager, whoever that might be, beds in. I understand they're going to make an announcement today, but I mean, it's no surprise that Concord have had a difficult start to the season since since we went into lockdown back in March and the season was cur- curtailed. They brought in twenty eight new players, of whom almost. I think about 15 of them have already left. We said it puts pressure on Dulwich. Uh, they're now level on points with Dulwich. Dulwich have played two games more, but credit to them, they picked up a really good 0-0 draw at Dorking and um, Mark White was complimentary towards Dulwich as well, but he was, he was disappointed that his side couldn't get that win. Yeah, that's a really solid result, isn't it, for Dulwich? Uh, fair play. As you say, they, they aren't doing well so far this season. They have been struggling. They're, they're now joint on points of Braintree and Bath uh, down at the bottom of the table. They do have games in hand on Braintree, of course. But to go away to Dorking, that's a really impressive result, especially with them coming off the back of a 4-1 win on Saturday, as they were. We'll look back at the top now, Dartford. Surprising. Well, or is it a surprise, Tom? They lost 1-0 at home to St Albans. It's a very different St Albans outfit this year, and they are now unbeaten in their last five, four of those have been wins and they're now in fourth position and they're the only side yet to lose this season as well, St Albans. So maybe it's not much of a surprise really looking at it. Again, they've kind of slipped under the radar a little bit. Yeah, they are. Um, and as you say, you're right to, to draw out the fact that this is a very different St Albans side to what we saw last year. Um, some of the signings they've made in the summer are really sensible. Um, you know, bringing in Sean Jeffers is, was a good signing. He's got four for the season already, having got that 90th minute winner yesterday. I think Kyron Wiltshire is a really good signing for them. And, you know, they've just added a bit of strength all the way through the side. Um, Michael Johnson coming in in goal as well. That's a, that's a good signing. He's a very solid keeper and he'll give them that sort of resilience at the back. As you say, St Albans are the only side left that are unbeaten. Uh, and that's deserved, I think. I was really impressed with them when I saw them against Hampton um, on the opening day of the season. Um, yeah, I think that's that's maybe not... The fact that they were away makes it a bit of a surprise, but... But yeah, I'm not surprised to see St Albans pick up these difficult points because I think they're a really solid squad. Still up there in second place, Hungerford. Uh, we did say about their start to the season and uh, was it just a little bit of, uh, I don't know, they were on, on a golden run, but they had a bad result Saturday. Not oh, they didn't play Saturday. Sorry, they had the game called off on Saturday and they lost the game before that. However, they had a, a really good win at Slough and we know Slough maybe aren't quite as good as they were last season, but that's still an impressive result to go there, isn't it? And win by three goals to one. It is. It's a really good result. And Ryan Seeger back amongst the goals there as well. And I think Craig Fasamali got the other one. So, uh, yeah, that's a really strong result for Hungerford um, away at Slough. Slough had a bit of a disrupted time. Obviously, they've they've lost a few matches due to COVID protocols. Um, but, but a look through Slough's results tells us that 
a three-one win for Hungerford. There, bear in mind the form that Hungerford are in. Um, you know they have won seven games, uh, six games now this season. Slough have picked up points against Bath. They beat Bath. They beat Hemel, but a very different Hemel side to what we see now. That Hemel were really not good at the start of the season, um, and they got a draw against Welling. So that's Bath, who are one of those three sides down the bottom on only three points, have really struggled to start the season. Welling have had a difficult opening as well, and Hemel, like I say, weren't particularly impressive at the start of the season. Um, so Slower, they're in trouble. I think. Um, I don't th- don't think they're going to be going down or anything, but. It already looks like a playoff campaign that they had last season might be a, a bridge too far for them. But yeah, really impressive result for Hungerford. I, I still think if they're up at that end of the table come you know the halfway point of the season, I'd be very surprised. But they've already put enough points on the board. You'd have to say they'll be really comfortable mid-table side in the season and, and potentially pushing for a playoff. Yeah, the other big game in the division on Tuesday evening was the Kent Dow between Eversley and Maidstone, and they cancelled each other out in the end. Yeah, nil-nil draw. Um, I've, I've not seen a lot from that game, um, so I'm not not particularly aware of, of how it went down. But yeah, as you say, nil-nil draw doesn't really do much for either side. There were, you know, looking at the match stats, there were no yellow cards, no red cards, no goals disallowed, no penalties. It's, yeah, I don't, don't really know what to say about that match, to be honest. We shall move on swiftly then from that and uh, move on to another Kent side, Tombridge, who drew 2-2 against Eastbourne Borough, who are up there. And uh, like you say, Eastbourne, another, uh, again, they're only, only uh, beaten once this season in the league. Got that man, Dean Cox, pulling the strings as well. Although they did have uh, an innocent sent-off last night, Eastbourne. Uh, not so innocent by the looks of it now. Yeah, Parter departed for a red card on 71 minutes and then Kai Willard Innocent off on 90. So um, i tell you what, Willard Innocent is an absolute tank as well. So um, if he fouled you, you'd know about it. Um, <laughs> Dean Cox, as you say, you're right to pick him out. He's he's so influential in the heart of midfield for um, Eastbourne. He was really good when I saw them earlier in the season. Uh, and Charlie Kendall as well, who got the, uh, the equaliser in the 86th minute. He's a really nippy forward. He's just so lively. Um, pretty direct when he's in possession uh, and he's in on loan from QPR. There's a few good QPR players out on loan at the moment. Stephen Duke, McKe- Stephen, uh, Duke McKenna at Hemel really caught my eye yesterday too. Um, but yeah, decent result. I think both teams actually will look at that and be relatively happy. For Eastbourne, it's a, it's a good point on the road midweek. For Tunbridge, they kept a, a pretty rampant Eastbourne side. Um, they, they took a point from pretty rampant Eastbourne side and, and they have really been possibly one of my surprise packages so far this season. I've been really impressed with how they've they started the campaign. We mentioned about Hamilton. We'll get on to it uh, and then you can move off it quickly. But uh, a surprising 3-0 win at Hampton and Richmond Borough. We were talking about how solid Hampton were at, at the back over the weekend. Uh, but it didn't turn out that way on Tuesday, did it? No, it didn't. Um, it, you know, Let's make no bones about it. Hamilton were the better side. Um, they are a much-change outfit from the one that Hampton faced in the FA Cup earlier in the season. Uh, they've brought in a few, you know, they've done what I think a lot of sensible teams are looking to do at the moment. They've brought in some players on dual registration from clubs lower down the leagues um, who who aren't able to play games at the moment. They've brought in, for example, Liam McDevitt and uh, Omar Rowe from Hayes and Yelling. And there's there's a real opportunity for some National League clubs to be doing that at the moment. You've got teams at step three and step four, as we talked about the weekends, who can't get games. So they're looking to keep players match fit. I think... Yeovil have picked up Francis Amati from Hazen Yelling as well. Um, and and Hemel's done that well. They looked pretty solid. Uh, Hampton struggled to trouble them. 
Um, and and going forward, they did they did enough to pick up the points. Um, Stephen Duke McKenna on the QPR really lively. I was really impressed with him. He's so fast, really you know small lad, but he's strong. He's gritty, um, and I thought he you know he's potentially got a real future for Hampton. I think it was their fourth game in nine days. I think it was just a game too far for them. Um, they're pretty much they've been on the bare bones at the back with injury. They're missing. You know, if you're missing centre backs of the quality of Dean Inman and Charlie Wasmer, that is going to have an effect on any team at this level. Um, to then add in the captain Luke Ruddick being out, Sam Cox being out, Tyrone Miller Rodney being suspended, suspended rather. That's mm. a huge amount of uh, mobility and energy to take out of that side. Uh, Bath City coming to visit on Saturday. Um, there's, you know, there's a suggestion that one or two of those lads might be back and fit, ready for this weekend, uh, and it can't come soon enough for Hampton, really, because uh, they they just looked leggy yesterday. Final two games to look at, then uh, both ended in draws. Uh, another good point for Billericay away from home at Welling. That's three unbeaten now and on to seven points, and the wrong point behind Oxford City drew one one with Chippenham and, and Oxford. Uh, worryingly for them, haven't won since their FA Cup success. No, I think so. You know, Bill Ricky first. That's a good result for them. Again, uh, Jake Robinson with a, another goal, another penalty. Uh, that man must be, you know, on Matt Letitia style numbers for penalties by now. Um, and Kyle Reed, who joined in the summer from Sutton as well, got the other one. In terms of Welling, that's that's a really good week for Welling as well. Um, they'd had a, you know, they were on two points to the start at the start of the season um, going into the match on Saturday. They've now picked up four from a possible six. And all of a sudden, things start to look a little bit more comfortable for them. It, it just it just goes to show, as you as you rightly pointed out on Saturday, that we shouldn't read too much into the tables at, at this time of season because literally one good week, two good results, and things start to look a lot more rosy. Um, for you know that management team of Brad Quinton and Maris Batach, they they've worked very hard to bring in players that they can work with. Um, I know they've worked quite closely with the Sunday League side called Rising Ballers. They've brought in some of their young young talented players. Um, and they're putting them in the shop window as well. So good result for Welling yesterday. Um, and yeah, as you say, Oxford's on a little bit of an iffy run of form. Brad Ash, it was that uh, that got the equaliser for Chippenham as well. He's had a good start to the season too. So I think that's three goals now in the league for him. So he's finding his feet well at Chippenham. Uh, just going back to that point then briefly about not looking at the table, do you think do you think it kind of matters this year if you've got games in hand? Or do you think it's better that you do have points on the board, like Hungerford, for example? You know, but if you've only played three or four games, you know what you've got to do in a in a way. You know, if you've got those four games, where you're going to get to if you win them. I, I don't know. I I think that old adage of points on the board. I still stick by that. Um, I know there's some conjecture: will the league finish? Will it not? Will we end up PPG basis? I, I think the league. I think there's a real in, a real motivation to finish, and I will. I think they will do everything they can to get to that point. Mm. Um, I do. It's tempting, isn't it? Because we're we're in the middle of November now. And in the middle of November, we're used to the league taking shape. However, we've still got teams in this division who played five games. That is yeah. far, far too early. Usually we say don't look at the table till 10 matches. Well, the reality is 10 matches is going to put us just before Christmas now. So it really is going to be where we're used to thinking the halfway point of the season. That's when we're going to start to look at and formulate our ideas of, well, who are the runners and riders? Who needs to be looking over their shoulder? And also, as we've said a number of times on this podcast, let's not forget, only one team goes down from the National League South. So there are going to be clubs who are just going to be looking to hope that there's one team worse than them. Keep the budget safe, keep the money uh, 
you know, held over for next year. Ensure the club survives this difficult time and just hope that there's one team worse. Yeah, cruise control uh, for the end of the season. So for a quick look at Telford's fortunes and to give us a Ryan Reynolds update, we have dialed up our resident uh, Ryan Reynolds expert. It is uh, Dickie Wharton. Hiya, Dickie. <laughs> Hi, Luke. Yeah, I never thought I'd have that title, but there we go. Yeah, we'll get on to that in a minute. Um, just briefly tell us about, obviously, Telford. We meant we touched on it briefly in the National League North Roundup. Just tell us about Telford against Charlie. A disappointing home defeat for Telford. Yeah, no, it was um, a 1-0 win for Charlie last night. And um, uh, I think that's their first win of the season in the league. Um just a really, really not much in the game at all, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but it was a, um, a deflected goal in the second half from Elliot Newby, a former Telford player. How often does that happen? Um, yeah, that settled it in the end. And I think there was um, obviously um, Jamie Vimiglio afterwards. Um, he was, was pretty pleased with it. Um, managed to just grab a very few words with him as he as he headed for the bus and. Equally, disappointment for Gavin Cowan on his part said that, you know, just to me, Telford just didn't really seem to get going, to be perfectly honest, all evening. And, um, you know, he was left disappointed with it, ultimately. OK, so we'll move on. And I know you mentioned in the weekend pod about the the Wrexham supporters were voting on whether to upset the, the bid from Rob McElhenney and, and Ryan Reynolds. And uh, it proved to be a bit of a landslide victory in the end. Yeah, it absolutely did. Uh, 98.4% of those people who voted voted in favour of the sale, which is 1,801 fans voting yes, 29 against. So if you're one of the Rex and 29, um, hello there, and 11 abstentions. Yeah, so it was it was a landslide, to be perfectly honest. And it's, I guess that's not to, be, not to be, you know, that's to be expected, to be perfectly honest. I think with... With the proposals that they put on the table, and they were talking about this two million pound cash injection, and the the, the fact that they seem very keen to, um, I wouldn't say win the, the supporters trust over to their side, but you know to make sure that they, uh, that the supporters trust have been reassured that they're not going to make you know massive changes to sort of the, they're not going to come in and do a was it Vincent Town in Cardiff and change the colours of the shirts or that kind of stuff I think they've given lots of assurances that they're not going to do that kind of thing um yeah and it's going to be a fascinating prospect uh, I mean I saw a tweet last night from the National League at half time when they or when they took the lead at, at Hartlepool last night of Hartlepool nil Deadpool one and yeah you know we're we're going to have all that kind of hoopla and, and razzmatazz around it for a while, I would suspect. I mean, I've read... Well, it's always going to be one, sunny in Wrexham um, now. What's that? I said it's always sunny in Wrexham now. It's always sunny in Wrexham. Yeah, well, you never know what they might have planned. It, actually, it's funny that you should say that, actually, because I was reading um, a, a guy who's a US uh, sports um, investment sort of expert, and he was suggesting that it's not the sole reason why that they've done this, but one of the reasons perhaps behind this is the inevitable sort of TV documentary about this and, you know, turn it into the, the kind of Sunderland till I die, you know, Netflix, Amazon prime kind documentary. And I think he suggested that for an hour's worth of, of content for, you know, any channel that wanted to buy it, then you could be looking at um, about $400,000 for that basically. So you wouldn't be talking about having to make very many, episodes of content of their behind the scenes takeover of Wrexham and things like that before 
you know, effectively, they've kind of made their money back. Now, what they will do with any money, if they do do that, and any money they make over the top, whether they reinvest that back into Wrexham, it remains to be seen. And, of course, what goes with that as well is, I guess there's a level of intrusiveness that goes with that, you know, when one of the... Um, I won't say... I was about to say make a deal with the devil. I, I don't want to sort of like cast aspersions on either Ryan Reynolds or Ron McElhenney. Is that the new film? Yeah, I think so, yeah. but yeah. Uh, or, or Dance with the Dragons, quite possibly, might be the title. You know, if you want to buy that one off me, chaps, you know, you're quite welcome to it. Um, I'll, I'll start telling my asking price for that one. But no, I mean, if there is a documentary, you know, it brings with it that level of scrutiny and, dare I say, a level of perhaps intrusiveness. You know, you, you're talking about behind-the-scenes cameras and um, I don't know whether we're talking about, you know, being in the dressing rooms, but, you know, being present in meetings that perhaps would have been behind closed doors before because that would be all part of a TV documentary. Now, that's all speculation at the moment. We don't know whether that is going to happen, but, you know, fascinating times ahead at Wrexham, absolutely. And, um, you know, we'll all be watching. And if certainly if there's a documentary series, we'll definitely all be watching. Yeah, I just told that the uh, they look to restore the cop. I know there was plans to restore that cop, wasn't there, behind the goal and... It's been condemned, so hopefully they'll they'll get that back to and not not mess about with it too much, but get it back so it's that imposing terrace again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's always such a shame when you see you know a Wrexham game um, on BT Sport or whatever, and then you've got that that vast um, terrace behind the goal, which is just not used, and it's just such a shame. Um, you know, they've they've made a lot out of you know in the in the stuff that they've put out into the media about the fact that Wrexham being the third oldest professional team in the world I think that claim that it Wrexham the race course ground is the the the, the oldest international stadium in the world or something like that you know yeah, yeah um it almost feels to me that you don't say those kind of things unless you're sort of you know actually feeling quite deferential towards it and 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 see that as part of what you're buying and and you know whether they will see the potential in doing that and getting that open again you know i'm sure <laughs> they probably need to open that to, if they ever you know decide to actually come to a game or are able to come to a game i think they're going to need every seat available in the house because i think the world and his wife are going to want to be there to be perfectly honest so um but yeah i mean it, it what it's going to mean for Wrexham heaven only knows in you know in terms of there will be good there will be some less good you know because like I say when if if there's a tv documentary and things like that all of a sudden you've got national league players uh, who are being asked to sort of you know have you know team meetings and all that kind of stuff opened up to the scrutiny of tv cameras and if it goes down that road that's going to be interesting to see how that goes I mean you know, heaven only knows what Dean Keats might make of that if they suggest yeah. that they want to be in the dressing room before the games but then again he who pays the piper calls the tune you know if they're putting the money in they do get to call the shots to a certain extent absolutely well you mentioned the world and his wife it'll be me and Rob there on Saturday so we'll uh, we'll try and get some reaction and an update for you for the, the coming weekend's podcast um, Dickie thanks very much for joining us you're very welcome indeed. I thought you were going to pick up with me saying calling the shots there and about it being older shot Wrexham. I thought that was oh. going to be your link. But <laughs> no, no, I was thinking more of the, uh, the, the, the pie pipe, where the calling the piper and stuff. I thought, yeah, the, I thought it, you were going to drop it. I thought you were going to say good, yeah. bad, good, bad, and the ugly, actually, is what I thought you were going to quote. But <laughs> well, as I say, I mean, the if, there's a newspaper I... headline, 
if there's a newspaper headline about a Wrexham performance that isn't sort of like a pun on a film title or whatever going forward, then, you know, somebody's missed an opportunity. <laughs> and also my thanks to uh, to Chris Pratt, Tom Feeney and Tom Lang for their roundup early today. Until then, look after yourselves and we'll be back at the weekend. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify.